So, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. You guys are all very quiet now. Like, we're anticipating some sort of profound thing that's getting ready to happen here. I mean, it might be. I don't know yet. We'll see how this thing starts out. You know, uh, I will tell you is that I chose that video this morning because uh, we're starting this new series called Failing Forward. And a lot of those things that was there are what cause us to fail. They really do. They, the, the, the things that grab our attention, the things that take us in, the things that, that absorb us, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, uh, whatever, Snapchat, all of these things, they suck us in and it makes it to where it actually causes us to pull us away from what really matters in this world. It causes us to go into such turmoil and such stress that we're trying to keep up. We're, you know, it's like you, you hear that they canceled or they, they, they stopped making keeping up with the Kardashians in order for them to make another show that's just probably if not more popular on another platform and it's like that's the things that we try to follow up with instead of going well what is it that God is asking us to do what direction is God asking us to go what is what is God having me do we seek the information on Facebook we seek it on YouTube we seek it on on Instagram our children are being raised by youtubers it's it's so crazy to see the numbers and then the watch that they're watching with these YouTubers. If you've ever, if you have children, I want to encourage you to just watch an episode of whatever they're watching on YouTube. Just find it. Just go into their YouTube playlist and find whatever they're watching on a regular basis and watch it one time. And I promise you, you'll take them off of YouTube instantly. You, you will cancel it. And you'll, you'll do all you can to block it because what they're doing and what they're watching is such, such... Let's just say that it would be something that you would look at and go, why is my child seeking after this rather than something that is actually much more wholesome? And it's because we trained them from such a young age. We've sat them in front of TVs for years and years and years. We put them there and said, watch the Sunday morning cartoons. And then when the Sunday morning cartoons turned into Sunday all day cartoons, we left them there. And when the, the all day cartoons turned into all week cartoons, we left them there. And then when they stopped even doing Nick at Night to where our kids stopped doing that, we put a TV in the room and let them watch cartoons all night long. And it's made it to where our generation, so the generation underneath me and the generation after that and, the, and all of these ones that we're looking at, whether we get to Alpha, have been raised by social media, by TV, and by whatever we're directing, or whatever's being directed at them by media. And, and we start to wonder... And we start to wonder, why, why are we seeing so many of these issues? Why are we seeing so many kids that have anxiety? Why are we seeing so many, so many kids that are, that are falling victim to suicide? Why are we seeing all of these things? And it's because that we've stopped actually doing what God has asked us to do. We've stopped doing it. And so today, I, I, we're starting a series called falling, Failing Forward. And I kind of wanted to have a little precursor for it. I was going to start preaching about sin <laughs> But I'm going to do that next week, so if you're, it'd be a great week to come back and really, really leave here encouraged. I want to let you know that now. You'll leave here and go, wow, he really made me feel good about myself. But today, today we're going to talk about something that's actually, it, you're going to think about this and you're going to go, why is he talking about this? But I think that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to speak a little bit on, call, what the topic of today is called leaving Christianity. And the reason why we're calling leaving Christianity is because that's what we're seeing happen in our communities. We're seeing people exit Christianity faster than everything that, that we've ever seen before. The, the, the rate that people are leaving the church is so fast. The rate that people are leaving community is so fast. 
And what they're grasping onto is what we just played. They're grasping onto social media. They're grasping onto YouTube. They're grasping onto the, to the things of this world that aren't actual real things. They're just digital bytes. They're not actual things. There's, there's, no, there's no relationship. And so it's important for us to understand something about the church. The church is supposed to be a place of relationship. It's supposed to be us holding one another accountable, us loving on one another. It's us, it's us uplifting one another. The, the word that Hebrews 10.25 clearly says, let us, not, let us forsake meeting together. Let us not forsake meeting together. I'm sorry, don't, let me re-quote that. By the way, because you just all leave. Hebrews 10, 25. At least I got, this, I got the address right. Now let's get, the, let's get the content of it right. Let us not forsake meeting together. For some have done. So that we can encourage one another. So that we can uplift one another. So that we can yes. continue to push one another out there to live your best life. Not according to what YouTube or Facebook or Instagram says, but according to what God says. See, so that's where we need to be at. We need to be living the life that God has pointed us to, not what this world is supposed to be chasing after. And see, we've been chasing after worldly possessions. That's the reason why some of us, we go, I got to have the car that has the three emblem on it. Or I have to have the car that has this on it. Or I have to have drive this. Or I, you know, just I'll give you a perfect example. If you look at those that we would define as successful in this world, they drive Bentleys, Mercedes, Ferraris, Rolls Royces, Porsche. And we knew it was hanging on her wallet. It was, you know, you know, I'm a, a Mustang. You know, that's what my first car was. I had a 60, 68 Mustang was my first car. But I mean, just think about it. Those are the things that we, and, and really, and really wouldn't we define, and when we start to look at it, we go, well, that person must be successful. But I want to, know, I want to let you know something is that we do a food distribution every week on Wednesdays. And guess what I've seen pull through? I've seen people pulling through in their Mercedes. Turn their head away from you. Why are you turning your head away from me? Well, I, I'm poor car. I'm car poor. I'm poor car. <laughs> and, and, and see, or they drive up in a Cadillac. Brand new Escalade. Brand new 2021 Escalade. I was there and I was like, I was like, I, and I know what those cost. I went and looked at one. I said, I can't afford that. I mean, and so, I, so as you pull in and I sit there and I look at it. And I go, well, what can we give? As much as you can give. Why? Because, because I thought that I had to show that I was successful by driving this brand new car rather than actually being successful in my home and putting groceries on the table. I had to have the status. I had to have this uh, people, they would see the facade and they would go, oh, that person's successful. They're doing so good. Everything is magical in the world. When really at home, they're in turmoil. They're everything is falling apart everything is crashing down around them and yet they just go no 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 everything's perfect and so we can actually take away the status symbol and we can go right back to a, what we do even without the car we tell everybody that it's perfect you walked in here today we asked you hey how's today going and you were like it's great today's amazing but realistically you walked in and you were like all right we got into the parking lot we buttoned up the shirt a little bit more. We brushed off everything else that was on us. We brushed off all of the, the turmoil to getting to the parking lot. All of the, the fear, the animosity, the anger, the anxiety. We brushed off all of that to walk in the door just to have enough courage to say everything is going well. Instead of walking in and going, how are things going? 
you know, I could really use prayer. I could really use, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling with this, but we're trying to keep this facade up of having the perfect life, to having the, the perfect Instagram world that, that I got to take this selfie. Wait, wait a minute here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this going. I got to get my camera thing out. Hold on. I don't even use it that often. I have no idea where it's on my phone. And turn this around. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this selfie, right? You know, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. We can't do that one. There's nobody there. So, uh, uh, oh, there we go. All right. I can't post it yet. I got to do some, I got to do some final touch-ups to it and add these people from over there to over there. So that way it's a little fuller. Do you guys understand where we're kind of going at with this right now? We're leaving Christianity in droves, pursuing something that's so fake, so, 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 so terrible that it, that it, it drives us into depression. It drives us into, just look at, just look at your Facebook feed. How much joy, how much encouragement, how much do you see there? It's full of nothing but anger and ads. So it's full of. It's full of anger, ads, and somebody's food. Big thing here. Look at what I'm eating today. Delicious, right? No, your food looks gross. And you can't cook. I can tell. The eggs are burned. Stop. All right. Well, I haven't even touched my notes yet. So kind of, you just got my little rant. <laughs> that's, that's the reason why I couldn't preach on sin, because I wasn't there yet. I had to get there, right? I'm still trying to spew all of it that I was preventing me from getting there. I'm like, hey, wait a minute, we got to get to this. You know, how about this? How about we ch shift gears and we go, let's talk about the good news from last week. You guys want to hear some good news? Yeah. 25 salvations in this room last week. That's good news. 25 salvations, recommitments. You look back and go, where are they at? Obviously, they weren't really saved because they didn't show back at the church this week. They were like, yes, I accept Jesus for today. I'm leaving. And, and, but no, I'm just playing. But I will tell you that I'm thankful that around the world, I, we belong to an organization, and that organization kept track of salvations over Easter. And over Easter, there was 11,000 salvations that happened within the Wesleyan denomination. And so 11,000, so that's amazing. But, again, I want you to take important notice of something, is that some people, some Christians, are deciding at the same rate, if not a greater rate, to not be Christians any longer, right? You know, uh, we, I, I love to make fun, if you, uh, if you want to watch a show that is terrible for the church, it will make you laugh, watch Righteous Gemstones. That's not a plug for the show, but it gives you all that stereotypical thing, and you watch and you go... But see, here's the thing is that some of us were raised in that type of church environment, but know that behind the scenes, it's all fake. That, that, that your actions on stage are not the actions that you're producing at home. And so we're seeing this happen in church. We're seeing all these church leaders fail. It's with, it starts with Bill Hybels. It goes all the way down to Hillsong and all these other churches you start to see where the leadership can't maintain the facade. The facade falls and it causes people to exit the church faster than ever. And so we're seeing this drove of people looking at it and going, well, the church is just about this thing. They were just about, you know, they were the catalyst for this. And see, what we look at, we go at 11,000 people just in one denomination convert to Christianity. We had probably three or four times that amount that left. It's, it's, it's scary. You know, you know, it's kind of, but it's close to home because I experience it on a regular basis in church leadership. I experience it. You know, uh, 
Uh, I'll tell you, maybe some of you have experienced this. If you've ever done homeschooling, anybody in here done homeschooling? Anybody? All right. You'll love homeschooling because as your kids graduate, you know, you get to tell everybody they're the, they're the top of their class. <laughs> you know, you know they, 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 and nobody can say anything about it. They'd be like, well, uh, well how's your teaching? It's, it's amazing. You're going to question me? Is that what's going to happen here? You know, <laughs> but here's the thing. See, here's what happens. There's a lot of homeschool communities, right? There's a lot of them that help grow one another. A lot of great families, some of them, you know, some of these homeschool communities, they have like 80 kids, 90 kids. And see, for me, I look at it and you see how, or how people are, right? They, they, their kids end up going, they, most of their kids are in church. They end up, they, they, they end up growing their kids. They, they grow up in a house that goes to church on a regular basis. They grow up in church. They end up being the ones that serve in church often. Homeschool kids are the ones that we look at churches and we go, why do we see so many of them serving in the church? Because they haven't been polluted by what we call, we call it public education, but in this world, it's actually government education. The government decides what we're going to be teaching in the schools rather than the public deciding. It's based on political whim. And so we start to see why are we seeing such a mass exodus of these younger generations? Because we've allowed the government to have more and more control within our schools. I would encourage you, encourage you. I don't know if you can afford it, but if you have children that are young enough, get them out of public school, either homeschool them, put them, get them into a Christian school, find something that's a hybrid thing, get them someplace to where they are not being filled with the toxic, the toxic government education that they're being forced fed right now. See, right now, as your kids are going to school, and those, especially those that are watching at home right now, because I know that's what you're doing, you're so tired from the week running your kids back and forth, that you're sitting there and you're watching some ways along the way, your kids are fed so much of un, that, that it's scientific theory rather than scientific fact that they're fed so much of that it starts to cause them to question and it actually starts to hurt them and makes them feel hurt because all of a sudden we're creating spiritual doubts by sending them to public school. That's what's happening. I, 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 I'm just telling you that's what's going on. And so... Rather than pursuing a growing relationship with Jesus, more and more of them are walking away with the, the, than in a relationship, growing their faith, and they're leaving Christianity. They're not leaving God, right? Because a lot of them still believe God exists. They're definitely leaving Christianity. They are no longer following Jesus. So, and, and here's the thing. Instead of us taking and going, we, we're going to blame the government because, by the way, you should understand something. We put the government in place. We put them in place. We vote for them. We put them there. We, all the things, if you hate what's happening here right now, you should get way more convincing on convincing your friends to stop voting the way that they're voting. Right? That's just what it should be. If you, if you don't like it, then you should start be, become a better politician for these people. And start actually diving in and start seeing it. But really, instead of us shaming what's happening out there, right? Because we can just go, there's lots of bad that's happening out there. Instead of us shaming that... We might want to actually start embracing and start going, hey, we need to take responsibility here. That's what we really need to get to. We need to start getting to this point where we take responsibility. And so what I want you to do as I move forward today, I want you to be a little bit on the open-minded side. Okay, be open-minded and consider as, how as Christians we may be doing some things wrong. I just want you to consider that. So... We're going to dive into Matthew 14, and so if you, uh, if you have a Bible with you, 
Please open up to Matthew 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. There's probably one under the chair in front of you, and if you're in the front row, and then ask the person behind you to hand you a chair. But here's the thing. In Matthew 14, the disciples are on a boat. They're on this boat by themselves. Right? It, Jesus is not with them at this point. And Jesus walked up to the boat on water. So by the way, if you were in the boat, and Jesus showed up, while you were out in the middle of the water and he wasn't there beforehand, you might be a little freaked out. <laughs> Just want you to think about this. You, you have already seen Jesus do lots of things, but him to walk up next to a boat in the middle of the water, you would be like, um, what just happened here? What, what is going on? And so you might have a little bit about that. And so the disciples are a little freaked out. What they think they see is a ghost. You should think about this. They think they see a ghost. They're seeing a spirit, and they're like, all right, we got to be a little bit. And so Jesus says to them, hey, it's me. It's, it's me, Jesus. Don't be afraid. And that's exactly what he's telling them. Don't be afraid right now. It's me. And, and so here's what happens. Peter, and, and so we're in verse 28, so Matthew 14, 28. Peter goes, Lord, if it is you, Peter replies, Tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus, of course, says, come on out, right? The water's nice. <laughs> come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And, he be and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reaches his hand out and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? <laughs> Here's the thing. How many of you have had spiritual doubts? How many of you have had spiritual doubts? I mean, just think about this. Jesus, Jesus calls him out onto the water, and he doubts. He, he's already on the water, but yet he still doubts. How many of us, we've done something, we stepped out for Jesus. I did this, right? I stepped out for Jesus. I said, hey, I'm going to plant a church. <laughs> and the first week, I said, oh my God, did I do what you asked me to do? Or did I just try to do my own thing? I doubted. It's, there's a spiritual doubts that happen. You know, and I want to say thank you for those of you that raised your hand. Thank you for your honesty, because that's what happened. See, there's really two groups in the world that are doubting. And you should understand, we talked about this last week, your doubts don't disqualify your faith, right? They're just doubts. They're just things that come up. And then there's the other people. So you may be doubting, or you're probably helping somebody through their doubts. It's one or the other. It, it, you, so you're either doubting, or you're probably helping somebody through their doubts. It, it's just the natural thing of how it works. And see, we talked about this last week, and we were clear about it. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Doubt is an invitation to, to go to a deeper faith. That's what it is. And so Jesus asks, why do you doubt? Anybody have anything where you look at and you just go, why am I doubting? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Well, I'll just keep stepping on this, and if I pull it out, then I'll have to replace it later. And so what happens? What goes on? And so for me, I want you to think about something. As a church leader, you start to see as things are coming back from COVID and you're not seeing what you saw in the past, you start to get more and more back to going, 
well, God, is this what you've called me to do? Is this where I'm supposed to be at? So you have those doubts there. When I was in seminary, when I was going to college for doing this, I, <laughs> I, I started questioning some of the Bible because they, start, they teach you to look for some of the conflicts. They start looking and go, hey, look at this and check this out and look at this place. And you start to get to this point where you're like, are you teaching me to doubt? But no, what they're actually trying to do is they're trying to prepare you for when people come and go, why does it say this here and why does it say this here? You know, why does it say, there's, a, there's actually scripture that says that if your brother tries to keep you away from God, that you should kill him. There's scripture that says that. that and if you have a relative that's going, hey, and it's not an actual, hey, let's take him out to the woodshed and kill him. That's not what it's talking about. It's actually saying that, that you should separate that person from you. You should remove that relationship because they will eventually win and take over your doubts and remove you from it. That they will. And that's what it's telling you. So separate yourself from that. You know, and so why do you doubt? So there's dozens of reasons, by the way, dozens. Questions you can't answer. Apparent contradictions in the Bible. There's an article that somebody wrote. Somebody posted something on YouTube that you're like, well, Mike, this is what they said. This is what they said about Christmas time. I've already told you time and time and time again, Christmas, December 25th, is a Catholic thing. Jesus was probably born right closer to Easter. I've had people come to me, Mike, science just proves the Bible. No, it doesn't. Science actually proves the Bible over and over and over again. I went to college, and my college professor said this about Jesus. Okay, was your college professor an atheist? Yes. Well, then obviously their mission is to make it to where you become an atheist. Just like your mission as a Christian is to convert him to be a Christian. I have a friend who's a devout Buddhist. Oh, you mean the religion that was started 800 years after Jesus? Oh, that one? Oh, okay. Do you know that that's really just about prayer and meditation, not really about going to heaven? I mean, I'm not here to beat up on religions, but th that's what happens is that we start seeing that people go, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? What about, you know, Mike, what about the Muslims? Even the prophet Muhammad said, we're praying to the same God. That's what he said. We're praying to the same God. We just do it differently. And we're a little more extreme sometimes. You would see, that's the, so Jesus comes and Jesus goes, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. So, so when you're looking at this, you can find all kinds of contradictions. You can find things, depending upon how it's translated, all of these things. Mike, well, what about pain and suffering? How come God, I can't reconcile these, how, how a loving God allows these things to happen? How a loving God allows this war that's happening in Ukraine? How a loving God allows human trafficking? How a loving God allows a child to starve to death? How a loving God has this personal thing for me? How is he allowing this to happen? How a loving God that I prayed to and prayed to and prayed to, but yet a loved one still died? How a loving God I prayed to and prayed to about my parents' health, but yet they're still sick? How a loving God goes to heaven, I prayed for their divorce, and yet they still got divorced. I prayed for this, how? How, I can't resolve how respected Christian leaders that you, that you looked at and said, oh, they are the, the pinnacle of Christian leadership, how you've loved and respected them, and yet they let you down. I can't, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you why I've let you down, other than I'm a man and I'm full of failures, right? I just can't tell you that. 
I can't tell you why there's lots, of, there's lots of pastors out there that have a secret sex problem. And there's lots of pastors out there that they're struggling with something that's out there and they just have this really good facade and they hide it. I can't tell you that why people are unfaithful. I can't tell you any of those things. But what I read in scripture, and I don't see in the church, and so maybe that's part of the problem. When you open up scripture, you don't see it. Jesus asked Peter, why do you doubt? He'd already had experience with him. He had already had his hand out for him. And it was Jesus' nature to love him, to develop him, to reach his hand out. And I just want you to know something is that maybe as you ask this question, what if this question isn't an accusation? Why do you doubt? Why, what happens if it's not an accusation, but actually an invitation? What happens if this question is actually an invitation? What, is it, what happens if it's one of these things? Why do you doubt? I'm here for you. Why, what's going on? And so there's a lot of things that start doubt. There's a lot of things that go on. And most of us, we don't handle doubt well. I, I don't know if you guys know this. We don't handle doubt well. A lot of times when we start having doubt, we end up, we end up with this, this mindset of having an accusation towards whoever or whatever in that doubt. And then we end up unintentionally pushing people away. When we're actually called to bring people in through our doubt, where we're called and go, hey, what happens if I can help bring people in? What happens if I can get this to this point? We actually push people away. Yesterday in men's group, we talked about this, that in doubt, when we're going through doubt, instead of pushing people away, we should bring people in. People that help encourage us, help uplift us, help move us in the right direction. It's too often that we see people push others away when they're going through struggling. I mean, just think about this. We've had lots of people that have walked in the door that have severe depression. Severe depression. And for some reason or another, they'll walk in here and they'll think that Jesus answer their prayers instantaneously in a weekend, right? They think that they're just coming in here, the microwave turns, and all of a sudden that depression goes away. But that's not how it works. It takes time for they gotta build a relationship with people, they gotta be open to to, to healthy encounters with people in the building. They gotta be open to, to actually starting relationships with people, starting to move in a new direction. And see, too often what ends up happening is they come in, they don't get what they're looking for week one, week two, week three. They retreat and they become spiritual hermits. You'll see them on Facebook. You'll see them on other places. They'll post things. You'll sit there and you'll go, but you become a spiritual hermit rather than trying to come in and spend more time with those that are probably a little more spiritually down the road or spiritually healthy. You tr you've allowed your doubts to push you into a position of, of becoming a spiritual hermit to where you don't even allow anybody even trying to speak into that doubt. It's just completely the opposite direction. And so when we're pushed away, some are deconstructing their faith. They're deconstructing their faith. And, 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 and so I, I want you to know, and you probably never heard of spiritual deconstruction, and, but what... To start looking at this, we're going to break it down a little bit. What is deconstruction? What does it look like? So deconstruction can be conversational. And it's an emotionally charged subject oftentimes, and there's not one single direction that makes it happen. So spiritual deconstruction happens. Now, it can be done properly, and it can be done poorly. Right? So let's talk about done poorly. See, deconstruction done poorly will hurt people. And see, the one, who's, the one who is deconstructing has often been hurt by some Christians. They're bitter at all Christians. They, maybe they went to a church and happened. They hate all churches. They hate their parents. They hate the parents of churches. They hate the parents of school, of, of kids that are being homeschooled. They hate everything, right? Everything's about, 
I hate this so much. They hate themselves often. That's, that's, that's part of poor spiritual deconstruction. And some pastors are against de- you know, deconstruction. But if it's done well, and it's a, it, can be, it can actually be one of these things where it's a, it's a sincere examination of your beliefs. And so when you see, so look at you, if, when it's done well, it's a sincere examination of your beliefs, seeking to let go of what's untrue so that you can hold on to what is true. So deconstruction done well can be a form of discipleship. Let's look at Matthew 5, 43 from 44. And it says, you have heard said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So in Matthew uh, so five times in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you've heard it said. That's what he said. You've heard it said this, but what you thought was true. So this is Jesus teaching, not me, right? So Jesus is saying what you thought was true is not. He's actually deconstructing their beliefs. He's deconstructing what was wrong. And he's trying to build on what is right. And so he's going, hey, that was wrong. This is what the right way is. And, and so in this one, we go back to Matthew 5, 43 through 44, and he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's the deconstruction, right? And he's going, hey, you've heard this, but let me correct that. Let me go back to this. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's a deconstruction and then a buildup. And see, it's over and over again. And so Jesus and Peter in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I must go and suffer. That's so when he comes out and goes, Jesus goes, I got to go and suffer. I got to go through this. I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be raised again on the third day. That's what Jesus says. And Peter goes, no, you can't do that. You can't go like that. You are the all-conquering king. You have to take over. You are the one that's going to run things. You can't be seen as the dying Messiah. That's what, that's what Peter says. And here's what Jesus says to Peter. He turns it around on him. He goes, in verse 23, he says, Matthew 16, 23, he says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, Jesus is deconstructing Peter's wrong beliefs. He's, ta- he's, he's, re- he's saying, this is the wrong beliefs. This is how it has to be for the Messiah. See, you thought I was going to be a conquering king. I'm here as a suffering servant. You thought that I would achieve a victory through conquest, but I'm going to achieve it through sacrifice. You thought this. What you need to do is let go of that and hold on to what is true. So let go of what isn't true and hold on to what is true. So how do you build this belief system? And obviously the answer is what? How do you build your belief system? The Bible. That's the answer, by the way. So let's go back. How do you build your belief system? Oh, wow, you guys are so convincing. Oh, my gosh. Like, no, even online, they're like, did they say it, or what happened here? How do you build your belief system? Well, that's a little better, but now you're just doing it because I've asked you four times, and you're like, out of irritation. But see, that's the thing. How the church teaches the Bible will change how your family, the community, interprets the Bible. That's what happens. How the church teaches will affect your family and your community and how they interpret the Bible. So here's the thing. You often walk in here with your own Bible filters. 
You walk in here and you go, Mike, I know the Bible better than you. And you might. I got to tell you, you might. But you often walk in here and go, I know it better. I heard about Noah. Really? That's cool. Did you study Noah? Did you study David? Did you study anybody? Or did you just hear something out on the street and, and bring it in as if it was the gospel? See, that's what happens. Too often, so uh, how many of you guys, did you guys see the movie that had Russell Crowe in it where he played Noah? Anybody see that? Garbage movie, by the way. <laughs> terrible. Oh, wow. So not only was it so biblically inaccurate, the plot line was terrible, the acting was terrible, the, even the animals, how they looked, they were terrible as well. Everything about the movie was terrible. Here's the problem, though. People took it as going, that's the story of Noah. Oh, wow. Wow. They never walked into church and actually heard the actual account of Noah they took the Russell Crowe version and said, that is the truth. And it's not. You walked in here. Some of you walked in, you watched this movie or that movie. Maybe you watched one of those ones from way back in the 50s where, they, where you were like, man, Charlton, Charleston Heston was an amazing person in this movie. It was still wrong. You walk in with a biblical, with a biblical lens that makes it to where even if I teach you something, you will closely hold on to the video account. You will, you will grab that one and go, no, 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 that's not what, that's not what Russell Crowe said in his version of Noah. Wow. You'll hold on to that one rather than what the Bible actually says. I'll be like, no, 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 let's actually read what it says. We'll go to Genesis 8 through 11. Do you see what it says anywhere in there that he, it doesn't say that. But that's the problem. Is that you'll hold on to that more, and you'll be like, oh, I watched this YouTube video. I have had so many people come up to me and go, Mike, I watched this YouTube video, and this is what they said. Okay. Where are they from? I don't know. What's their background? I don't know. What, where do they go to school at? I don't know. How much do they hate the church? A lot. Well, why would you watch that then, rather than come to somebody who loves Jesus and loves the church? No, let's go to somebody who's trying to deconstruct it and and to shatter the values and the foundation that was already been built. But that's what we do. <laughs> you need to stop bringing your own filters, and you have to change the filter. So you read the Bible, you look at your family background, how you were raised, where in the world things have been happening, what's going on, the type of church, no church, whatever. You have to start deconstructing some of these filters and go, what are the healthy filters? So pick up beliefs about God. Pick them up and start looking at it and go, and stop taking the ones that are not true. You got to hold on to the ones that are true. You know, maybe, maybe you got saved into a charismatic church. Anybody in here that you get saved in a charismatic church? You might have got saved. You showed up. <laughs> Again, I'm not trying to mock the church. I'm really not, right? They were running through the, they were running through the aisles with flags. Maybe somebody was naked. I don't know. Some of these really good charismatic churches that are, you're like, wow, I like attending just for, no. <laughs> but what happens is that you go to a really good charismatic church, they come in and say the Holy Spirit is, is, is here right now, and, and the Holy Spirit can do this. And so they'll come in and they'll go, and all of a sudden they'll say, we're going to talk in tongues, and we're going we're gonna to do this, and we're going we're gonna to push this out, and, and whatever it is. Instead of going, oh, wait, wait a minute, what does the scripture actually say? Because if you actually look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, don't do that in public, because if you do that in public, you're going to weird people out. 
Don't speak in tongues in public because they're going to go, what is going on? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, my, my, so my wife's come a long way, but I had, it, was a, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. So we're at, a, we're, we're at a church conference up in Sacramento, right? And here's the thing. Long, long time ago. Long time ago. It was. It, there's, there's a whole lot of truth there. So it's, greater than, it's greater than 12 years ago. But, but it was perfect. It was so good. <laughs> we're in the second row of the church, right? We're, I'm on staff at one of the partner churches here. And, and it's me at the aisle. My wife is right next to me. And two other people that were much holier than we were, right? <laughs> and it's worship time. We're, we're in full-blown worship. And they go into, and they come out of worship. And it's really soft. The lights are low. The, 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 the track pad is on, and it's, you just start to hear, you know, they're humming along, and all of a sudden, the person next to Melissa, this, this lady, I don't know who she was, she goes right into tongues, right? Just straight into it, and it, <laughs> Melissa goes, not in a quiet voice, and she's like, hey, what is that? She goes, what is that? <laughs> By the way, we're missing a word that was in there, because <laughs> she dropped the F word in the middle of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best part of it because it's like the whole thing came to a stop immediately. She's like, what is that? And, and then the person next to her was like, Arr! God, I love you. <laughs> the whole thing came to a straight spiritual end. And so the music stopped everything. I was like, oh, they heard you, babe. <laughs> That's them talking in tongues, by the way, for future reference. <laughs> She had never experienced it. She was raised in a conservative Nazarene church. So it was great. It was so good. But that's exactly what happens with everybody else who walks in the door that has never experienced it. We talk in tongues. They go, what is that? Exactly what happens. And yet some churches make sure that it happens in service. We served at a church that put it on their planning schedules. We're going to talk in tongues right here. Wait a minute. That's a spiritual manifestation, not something that you. So. <laughs> Sorry. Fun? Okay. I'm hoping, because I feel like I'm all over the board right now, and I'm like looking at my notes, I'm like, I don't even know where I was going with this. What happened? <laughs> so. Biblical lenses, right? We all walk in with different lenses. We do. Some of us, we have extremes. They come from movies. How many, how many of you heard this? Anybody, anybody ever seen the movie Footloose? Yes. Woo! Why were they dancing? And why were they dancing in barns? Anybody know? Because the church didn't allow it. There was no dancing. Man. That means there was no Marvin Gaye. That was nothing. Like, no, no, let's get it on. How, you know, nothing. <laughs> how many of you have heard it? I'm going to name it and claim it. Another church thing, right? Nah, it's not in the Bible. It's not in there. It's not in there. How about, how about where Scripture tells you you have to vote blue or vote red? That's not in there either, by the way. It's not. And no dancing, that's not in there either. In fact, it's the other way it says they danced. How about, how about the don't date? You can't date. That's not in there either. It's, it's not. How about where it says, don't listen to secular music? It's not in there, right? 
It's, it doesn't exist in the Bible like that. Where, where about, what about this one? I love this one of my favorites. I've been some churches. One of my favorites. Where does it say women aren't allowed to wear pants? I, actually, that's in there, by the way. I'm kidding. <laughs> it, it is. It, that's actually in there. But it also says that women are supposed to wear scarves and keep completely covered and not supposed to talk at all in service. Where is that? It, it, that's what it says. But by the way, that was written by Paul, never said by Jesus or by God. I, I just got to tell you. What about this one? Anybody ever heard it? No instruments allowed in church. Right? Right? I had somebody knock on my door. This is what they said. Do you have drums in your service? I said, yes, we do. He said, you're going to hell. Really? Man, that's pretty good, man. I said, you really know my heart. <laughs> I said, I had no idea. We talked about it that way. He says, you're not allowed to have instruments in service. I said, well, they played the harp, man. Isn't that an instrument? No, that's not an instrument. I go, I'm pretty sure it's a stringed instrument. And they still, you know, people get played, paid to play it on musical stages, right? Yeah, it's different. No, no, it's not. How about, how about I've been to churches where they go, we have to do communion every week. We have to do communion every week. And I'm like, that's not in the Bible either. It says do it often in remembrance of me, but it does not say do it every Sunday just to do it. It should be a moment that's special. It should be something. We do it, we do it at the beginning of the month because we want to make sure that we do it, but we don't want to make it to one of these things that we're like, hey, we're going to over-prioritize it. It, it. it just doesn't work. Anybody ever heard, we actually posted it this week. I saw it and I said, oh my gosh, why did we post this? Pray for six minutes. Anybody ever heard that? Pray for an hour a day? An hour a day? That's a long time. Because that hour of prayer is going to lead to me seven hours of sleeping. Is what's going to happen. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start going, uh, Father. <sighs> Take 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Spend some time in prayer. God knows what's on your heart. You don't have to whine about it for an hour. Okay? Don't whine about it for an hour. Father, please hear my cries. No, no, no. Just go, Father, you know what my needs are. Give us this day our daily bread. You, you know, Jesus actually told us how to pray. He said, I want you to pray like this. Don't whine and cry. He knows what your needs are. Just seek him daily for strength and direction. That's what you got to do. I'm, I'm not telling you to interfere with your prayer life. If you're praying for an hour a day, keep doing that. I, I don't, <laughs> you're, you're way more spiritual than I am, and uh, I'll invite you to come teach anytime you want. So, Ah, how about this? I served at a church. I served at a church <clears throat> as a youth pastor. One night at youth, a young man who was a practicing homosexual came to me and he says, he says, Mike, am I going to go to hell? And I said, I said, well, man, I don't get to make that decision. I said, I don't get to make that decision. I said, but, but. We should talk about it a little bit. I said, number one, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? He said, I don't believe that. I said, okay, well, then, then, then chances are you're probably going to hell. It doesn't matter whether, whether, what everything else is going on. But did Jesus die for your sins? No. Are you still a practicing homosexual? Yes. Then you're going to hell, buddy. You're going to hell. Just, so, by the way, so just in order to be clear, I got to do this here just because I want, want to make sure that we're being super clear about all this. Anybody in here ever stolen a pen? Put a hand up. Anybody in here ever told a lie? Keep that hand up. Okay, so everybody look around. Okay, so here's the deal. 
Those are both punishable by death, and you would go to hell as well. Now, keep your hand up. How many of you believe that Jesus died for your sins? As long as your hands are up, you're all good. You're going to heaven. Now, put your hands down. So this young man didn't have his hand up for anything except for I commit sin and don't believe that Jesus died for my sins. He was there because he liked a dude that was attending the, you know. But his parents did attend the church on a regular basis. And so his parents came to me and they said, hey, did you tell him this tonight? And I said, I did. I said, and you're his parents. You should be telling him the same thing. I said, Al, get his sins taken care of, get him forgiven and start getting him on the path. Jesus said, stop doing that and follow me. Simple as that. That's what he said. No judgment, no nothing else. The next morning, I got the proverbial phone call from the senior pastor. Came in, going to the office, sat down with him. And he goes, Mike, did you tell somebody they are going to hell? I said, whoa, wait a minute here. I said, I've told lots of people they're going to hell as a teenager. <laughs> but I said, are you talking specifically about the individual from last night? And he says, yes. I said, I said, there's a whole lot of story that goes up to that point. But yes, I did say that. He's all, Mike, I want to be very clear. We don't teach about hell at this church. He's all, here's what his quote was. Hell, us teaching on hell does not grow, does not grow the attenders of this church, does not make it to where we put more butts in the seats. Wrong priorities. Wrong priorities. So here's the thing. Our job is not to put more people in the seats. Our people, our job is to keep people from going to hell. So we need to have a whole shift in fundamental thinking of going, we're trying to put people in the seats. No, we're trying to grow disciples and keep people out of hell. That's what we're trying to do. That's what it is. Moving in a new direction. So, take everything that you believe about God, some of it may be true, some of it may not be. So, when you discover parts that are not true, hold on to it. So that your things that you go, I don't believe this, and this is, I can't believe it. So you got to hold on to, you got to take away what isn't true and hold on to what is true. So, you have to have the faith to let go of some of those things that are not in the Bible. You, you just don't. So there's some of us, I know somebody, and maybe you know some people too. Anybody ever heard of somebody living in a house with toxic mold? Yeah. As soon as you toxic mold, guess what happens? They start to get better. Yeah. Well, in some of us, we have toxic Christianity. We need to start taking away the Christianity so that way we can get better. So that way we can... So as we're looking at this, we're going, hey, we're going to fail forward by taking away these things. We're going to do these. So we're going to deconstruct the bad stuff. We're going to reconstruct it. We're going to get out the bad. We're going to get in the good and rebuild with good. So sometimes the whole house isn't bad, right? Anybody ever had a, if you've ever had a bug infestation or something like that, they take out one spot. They don't show up with a bulldozer and run the whole thing over and go, well, we're going to start all over here. You had one piece of wood that was infected with termites. No, they get rid of that piece of wood, they treat it, and they move forward. You know, that's how we've got to get to be. When you discover something that you believe isn't true, you unbelieve it. You get rid of it. That's what you have to do and pursue what is true. How do you interpret the Bible? What do you have to do? Believe what isn't untrue and pursue what is true. How do you interpret the Bible? Focus on Jesus. That's how you interpret the Bible. So I want you to understand something. If you start from Genesis, you go all the way to Revelations. We were at a church down in uh, Texas, uh, Melissa and I. Jerrine was there, a couple of people were there. And they had this beautiful stained glass window all, all along the top. And they had a red line that ran all the way through them because you could trace the blood of Jesus all the way from Genesis all the way to Matthew when he was born. You can, tra you can trace the whole thing. Pursue Jesus in it. 
to Jesus in it. So, as you start to do this, I want you to remember, we don't have the goal to be right. That's not our goal. We don't want to be right. Our goal is to be loving. Our goal is not to be right. Our goal is to be loving. So, there's lots of people out there that are considering leaving faith. Maybe you love someone who's considering leaving the faith. And I want you to understand something. In many ways, Peter did the same thing. Peter, there was times where he was like, I'm leaving Jesus. I have to go. He doubted. He denied Jesus three different times. In, in John 21, after Peter's, after Peter's doubt, after he doubted three different times, Jesus came to Peter. He said, do you love me? This is the one who doubted. This is the one who was getting ready to walk away. He said, do you love me? And Peter responds, of course I do. You know I do. And he goes, then feed my sheep. You got a job to go do. If you, if you love me as Jesus, I don't care about your doubts. I don't care about all that in the past. I don't care about any of those things. But now you need to go feed my sheep and go teach other people to stop going in that direction that's leading to hell. Stop going that way. You have, let's get them back on the, on the right road. Let's start getting back to this. And see, why did God choose Peter? Why did, why did God choose Peter to preach at Pentecost? It's the day that 3,000 people were saved. Somebody who doubted, somebody who was struggling, somebody who denied Jesus three different times is the one at Pentecost who 3,000 people come to know Jesus. Guys, I'm going to tell you that you may be having doubts, you may be having struggles, you may be having all of those things that you go, well, what am I supposed to do? What direction am I supposed to go? You may be the one that's, go, that's supposed to go preach to 3,000 for them to be saved. It may be you. Whose faith was built to be greater after his doubt? It's Peter. See, doubt isn't the enemy of faith. It's not. Doubt is often the invitation to a growing faith. Peter wrote 30 years after he, after he had been forgiven. 30 years later, he writes this in 1 Peter 2, 25. He says, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. See, here's the thing. He knew firsthand. He knew firsthand what love was, what grace was, and what the mercy of Jesus looked like. He knew it. There wasn't a question there wasn't anything. He knew who the good shepherd was. He knew who the conquering king was. He knew that he came to be the suffering servant, and he came to lay down his life for each of us. That's what he knew. He doubted, but then he was able to come back and return to, be, to follow the good shepherd. See, here's the thing. If you ever open it up, and it says, the shepherd knows me, and he forces me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes we need to have this, what we're doing, the direction that we're going, how things are in our hearts, what, what's happening in our lives. We need this redirection, and we need to listen to the shepherd's voice, right? The shepherd's voice, not, not, not the pastor of, of, of this church or, or uh, whatever church around here or that YouTuber that you're listening to, or maybe, maybe even just uh, like listen to somebody on whatever, you, you know, Start listening to the voice of Jesus. That's where you need to be at. So you need to cast away everything else and start listening to the voice of Jesus. And I, and I just want you to know, and, and as you start to do, so here's, and I get it, there's research, and you want to go hear news, and you want to hear all that stuff, but you need to look at where that person's getting their qualifications from and what they're pushing on. And, like for, and I will encourage you, I told you last week, don't take what I 
You need, every one of the I quoted, you need to open it up, spend time in it, spend time in prayer. What is God saying to you about it? Because this is what God is saying through me. But that's not all that you get to hear from it. You need to go and spend some time in it on your own. This is not, this is not a drive-in theater. We don't just show up here, watch the entertainment, get a few laughs, and go back home and don't do anything with it. It's just time for us to get... I love when we had somebody come and speak at our church. He said, this is our spiritual huddle. We come in here, we listen to the message, we, get, we hear the play being called, and when we walk out, it's time for us to go into the community and run the play. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, we're not doing that. We come in, we hear the play called, and then we go out to the, to the, to the, to the, the scrimmage line, and we get there, and we look at one another, and the quarterback calls hike, and nobody moves. If you ever had a if you ever had a video game like when I was a kid that we had football as a video game and nobody moved, the first thing you should do is you'd hit reset on the video game console. <laughs> you were like, there was something wrong with this. This is broken. You'd pop out and like I had a Nintendo and we played I played so much techno and take it out, blow, <laughs> pop the controller back, pop it back in, slap it down where you know it's you know it slid in the way however we needed to be done, and then the people would start running to play again. You might need to hit the proverbial reset button, and you might need to come over and slap you around a little bit to get you into the game right. <laughs> just playing on the second part. I'm just playing with the second part. Don't take me serious. I mean, or you can just call. We'll make it a. We'll come around and do some slapping around, I guess. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If it's broken, if it's not doing what it's supposed to do, then it's time for us to change what it is that we're doing. It's time for us to sit there and go, am I doing what God's asked me to do? Am I doing what Jesus has asked me to do? Or am I running my own play, going in my own direction? I would ask you to, at this point right now to make this, this spiritual adjustment and go, I want to hit reset. I want to move in the will, and I want to move in the direction that God has for my life. That's what I want. And, and, and you can't go, I'm going to base it upon what that person's doing or that person's doing or that, what that person has on Instagram or that person has on Facebook or that person has on TikTok or that person has going whatever or whatever. Because it says very clearly in Scripture, it says that the road that leads to hell is wide. And, the, and the, the path, not a road, a pathway that leads to, the, to heaven is narrow and difficult and a challenge. And so if your life looks like everybody else's life, you're probably on the wrong road. You're probably not on the path. You're probably pursuing the wrong thing. And that child is crying for you right now. <laughs> I mean, the timing was so good. <laughs> they are crying for you right now. They're, they're begging, please, please, sinner. Please, sinner, please. I'm, I'm crying desperately out to God for you, and I will do this for 60 minutes because you asked me to today. Please get back on the path that leads to heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, for, thank you for children that are just impeccable with their timing on how they, how they help encourage us and how they help direct our footsteps back to you. Father, we all should be crying out for those that are not, that are not on the path, that they're on the road that leads to hell. Let us cry out for them. Let us cry to you to help them redirect their footsteps back to the path. That, where they're, 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 they stop pursuing Facebook, the the, the they stop pursuing the, the, the YouTube life, that they pursue a life that is full of joy, happiness, comfort, and love through you. 
Father, help us cast away keeping up with the, the, the haves that really don't have anything, that they are struggling. Help us cast aside all those things where we look and we go, we just want more of you, not more possessions because we can't take the possessions with us. So, Father, help guide our footsteps closer to your front door, your, your gates, and into your kingdom. Father, we are so thankful for today. We're so thankful that we get to have this awakening and this redirection to you. And we ask for all of these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, uh, we're going to transition. And so I want to I warn people that are watching online. Um, we have 12 minutes left and what's going to broadcast online. We can't change it now. So we might go over that. And if we do, we love you. And you're just not going to hear that we're on the edge together. So I'm going to tell you now. We're on the edge together. We'd prefer you to be here in the building on the edge with us. But at home, it's, you're, you're, you're doing amazing things. I don't know what you're doing there, but you're doing amazing things. So 